Her mother moved quickly to her side and encircled her tight fist with her own hand, strong and warm. It's not God's fault, Nella. We're none of us totally innocent. Nations as well as individuals suffer consequences from their sins. But I can't answer for the Lord when you beg to understand. For myself, I still believe there's a reason for everything. And many times the reasons are painful. Nella drew a shaky breath, then took a sip of tea. She didn't want to go into the matter of faith with her mother. Ever since she'd been widowed while expecting Livy, her faith in God's care had wavered. After the first months of grief and following Livy's birth, she had not expected any supernatural help for the baby or herself. Her childhood notion that God took special notice of each person's needs had turned out to be just that. A childhood notion. God was too busy with the bigger things to bother with some individual's problems. Any other concept didn't make sense. Not wanting to argue with her mother and her minister father, Nella kept this opinion to herself most of the time. Now she steered the conversation back to their grieving friends. Mrs. Flint was glad I came. She said Camilla had always looked up to me. I don't know why. I never really spent time with her when working with the dogs out there. She usually stayed in the house with her mother. Well, at least Camilla can keep busy in the first aid nursing yeomanry. She reports back for duty next week. In Fanny, she feels she's doing something important for the war effort, and it's something she can do in memory of her husband. If it weren't for Livy, I'd have joined the Women's Auxiliary Air Force again. I hate not doing more to help win the war. I know you do, but being with your baby is more important in the long scheme of things. Mum's predictable answer irritated Nella more than usual. You mean what little I could do for the war effort wouldn't make much difference? Her mother stepped back from her side and glared down at her. With her hands on her hips, she said, Nella Elizabeth, you know I don't mean that. Nella raised her chin, attempting an apologetic smile. I do know, Mum. I'm just in a frump. I'd like to just sit here and sulk. My head aches as well as my heart. Why don't you go for a walk? Liv is still sleeping. The fresh air will do you good. And while you're out, you can pick up your father's cough medicine at the chemist's shop for him. Nella would rather have gone straight to bed, but couldn't refuse because of the prescription. All right. She gulped the last of her tea, pulled on a raincoat and quietly let herself out through the front door again. The manse lay on the north edge of town, fifteen minutes by foot from the chemist's. The longer walk from the farm had not eased her headache, so it was unlikely that this shorter jaunt downtown would do much either. However, if she took a bit more time... She could keep walking through the town and on to the river. If the castle grounds above the river and meadow weren't filled with Nissen huts, military personnel and vehicles, then she'd make that her destination. The huts, shaped like halves of steel drums lying on their sides, jarred her senses as much now as the first day she'd seen them. Nella and her best friend, Peggy Jones, used to play among the stone ruins and share their hopes and dreams with each other. All seemed possible back in those days. Although it wasn't true, 
Nella called Peggy her adopted sister. The daughter of a coal miner, Peggy had come to live at the manse when she was eleven, to attend school in Abergavenny. Nella, who was nine at the time, had longed for a big sister. After a feisty adjustment to the life in the manse, Peggy had more than fulfilled Nella's wish. As Nella strode down High Street, black clouds blew overhead, yet dropped no rain. So she passed the chemist's shop and walked briskly on to Cross Street, thinking to head down to the river. With rising spirits, she stopped at Sadler & Son tobacconist's shop to buy a newspaper for her father. The front-page headline declared the British 11th Armoured Division had fought its way into Antwerp. Arrows on a map pointed out the current battle line in Belgium and also where the Americans were positioned in northern France. Nella was counting out her coins on the counter when Mr. Sadler said, Did you read about the German spies that were arrested out by Krikowl? Seems they were planning to sabotage the Brecon Canal. Had enough explosives to blow up half the town. Stories right there on the bottom of page one. She hadn't noticed. Nazi saboteurs here in the Usk River Valley? Were they living in Krikowl? Nay, a couple of kilometres away in the mountains. Our military happened to intercept their radio signals the other night, and so traced them down. Bit of luck for us. Two women they were. They'd been there since beginning of summer, working on the Miller farm. Good workers, old Mr. Miller said, so we asked no questions. Their hut didn't look like much on the outside, nothing to make a person suspicious. But inside was full of fancy radio equipment. Your father, the Reverend, will no doubt find it interesting reading. Yes, I'm sure he will, Nella replied. Her father carefully hoarded his petrol ration for his monthly drive to visit several elderly parishioners in Crickhowl. She wondered if he might have met the two women of the story. A poor quality photo of them appeared on page two. What was happening in Antwerp became secondary to the spies discovered so close to home. Nella lingered inside the tiny shop to finish reading the shocking report. The news of the arrest would trouble her parents and would certainly frighten their upstairs guest, Giselle Meunier. Giselle had fled from the Nazis in France the previous spring and had come to Abergavenny for safety's sake and to be close to her cousin Jean. A few weeks ago, Giselle's two children, eight-year-old Jackie and six-year-old Angie, had been kidnapped and held hostage by a Nazi sympathizer named André, who had followed Giselle from France. Apparently, Giselle had been a person of importance in the resistance. It had all ended with the children being rescued. But now Nella wondered if the two women had at one time collaborated with André. This probably would be Giselle's first thought, too. Nella decided not to go to the river after all. She wanted to be with Giselle when she found out about the arrest. Not that she could say or do anything to reassure her, but she'd at least be there. Maybe Jean could stop by the manse for an hour or so. She had a gift for calming Giselle. Jean Thornton Kagawa was Giselle's American cousin and Nella's good friend. She worked in nearby Gavillan at the military station hospital as a Red Cross recreational therapist. Gavillan was less than four kilometres away. 
If Jean could get off duty, she could be at the manse soon. She'd been instrumental in rescuing Jacqui and Angie from their kidnapper. Getting her hands on a gun from somewhere, she had managed to shoot André. But if André hadn't been working alone, as the military authorities had said, then both Jean and Giselle needed to be on their guard now. The capture of two more Nazis could signal more danger. Nella hurried up Cross Street, back over to High Street and ducked into the chemist shop just as rain began spattering the narrow sidewalk. At the counter, she asked for Reverend MacDougall's prescription. Mr. McPhee, who had known Nella her entire life, turned and raised his white eyebrows at her. Nella, good day to you. Yes, I've mixed my best cough prescription. I wish that man would take better care of himself. He's not much younger than yours, truly. You'll have to tell him that, Mr. McPhee. I'm only his daughter, who knows not a whit about how a man stays well by the very work he does. Aye. Well, when he comes in, I'll be telling him. He handed her a medicine bottle. How much will that be? The chemist smiled. Six shillings three. Nella handed him a five-pound note, then scooped up the change he put on the counter. Thanks, and I'll tell Father you want to talk to him, she said, only half in jest. You do that, he said with a wink. I'll set him straight. Nella laughed, and then turning to leave, she crashed into the chest of a tall man standing behind her. Oh, I beg your pardon. So careless of me. She looked up.